Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, uh, happy holiday weekend, happy end of preseason. My gosh, it was painful, wasn't it? Uh, the Browns have a 53-man roster, the Browns have a practice squad, the Browns have a real game in nine days. It's Friday morning of Labor Day weekend as we record this. Um, technically, I'm going solo, but what we did is I got with my AFC North cohorts and uh, we did a little roundtable discussion for the Bengals pod, so we're just going to play that on the back end. Uh, one thing we do, and we started this morning, if you're an athletic subscriber, the AFC North whip around every week where we dive in. It's very popular. It's very enjoyable to do and to read, frankly. Um, and, and this division is fascinating. You know, you you have the Browns finally building some continuity, except they have this train wreck at the quarterback position, right? You have the Bengals coming out of nowhere last year, losing in mid-November by 40 at home to the Browns and then going to the Super Bowl. Then you have the two teams that have had um, the continuity, the culture, everything have been on top for so long, and, and we'll see how that goes. So anyway, for this holiday weekend discussion, I'm just I, we're going to put this on the Civilized Barking feed uh, for everybody to listen. Um, we'll have the long weekend. The Browns will be back at work on Monday, and then we'll be into a in our first normal game week, whatever normal is for the Browns, whatever normal is for the Browns playing Baker Mayfield, <laughs> right? Um, it's mandatory under this new CBA, this new system where the NFL set it up and moved up roster cuts that used to happen. Excuse me, on um, the roster cuts used to happen on Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Now they happen about five days earlier, and there's a mandatory day off and or uh, three days off. So the Browns had a brief practice on Thursday. Everybody was sent out for the weekend. They're due back on Monday morning. If you remember last year, this is the week where. The pictures surfaced on social media of Baker, Jarvis, and Odell on vacation, and everybody said, oh, they're best friends. This is great. And, yeah, they all broke up um, eight weeks later. So, anyway, Jacoby Brissett is the Browns' starting quarterback for now. Um, there is a trust in him that he will deliver on on what he is. There's clearly a ceiling on what he can be. Um, so, we'll see. Um, and, and as far as, like, not chasing receivers and defensive tackles and all of those things, you know, I'll say this. One, there's no such thing as a perfect roster. Um, every team has, especially when you're good, you know, has areas that are clearly stronger and, and weaker than others. Two, um, you know, I think this front office has some priorities. And, you know, they did a really good job, it looks like, at corner, at defensive end. Um, clearly are running back an offensive line since day one. They've invested heavily in both of those positions. They've done a shitty job at wide receiver. They just have. There's always been a bet in this group that guys will take a, a leap. That hasn't happened yet. We'll see. Do they deserve the benefit of the doubt? Is there something to be said for sticking with your guys and growing and keeping all your draft picks in the long run? Maybe there is. So um, we will see. I, I have some opinions. I'm not always right. Um, Andrew Barry's done a great job. So like I said, I just, you know, my main concern is just this off. This offseason has been awful. You know, there's clearly not. 
a united front on what to do with the quarterback. There's a quarterback who can't play. Um, they were still playing him in training camp. They didn't give the Brissette the reins until August 14th. There can't be any faith in Brissette to bring you from 7 or 10 down. And I know that's why you got rid of the other guy and you play him next week. Anyway, I'm just talking through it here. Um, if you're listening, if you're reading, we appreciate it. We know you're ready for the real games, and so are we. So we will see how that goes. Um, I went to Charlotte last Friday to write about Baker Mayfield. That story's up on The Athletic. Um, I hope you will check it out. And again, we will dive in. There will be another Civilized Barking Pod on Tuesday or Wednesday as we start to break down the Panthers, um, what the offense will look like. Here's a spoiler. It will be a lot of quick passes to Christian McCaffrey and a few to DJ Moore. Um, here's a spoiler on what the Browns will look like. It'll be a lot of Nick Chubb, a little bit of Kareem Hunt, a little bit of play action, and then a lot more Nick Chubb. So we'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think this whole hullabaloo with Baker was blown out of proportion. I don't think it means anything. And we'll get to that in the round table. So what it was, um, my buddies in Cincinnati and my coworkers in Cincinnati, Paul Daner, he kind of is the leader of this discussion that you're going to hear Jay Morrison, um, who does the whip around with us. And then it's Jeff Zurbeck who covers the Ravens has for a long time. And Mark Caboli in Pittsburgh, uh, one of my favorite Yenzers, uh, who's covered the Steelers for a long time. So enjoy this discussion. Check out the whip around, check out the Baker story. Most of all, Enjoy your holiday weekend. If you really are listening to this, I do appreciate it. Um, I'm going to try to enjoy the the end of the, the summer, and I'm ready. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. The Browns are never boring, right? They're often a train wreck. Um, <laughs> they're rarely boring, and I don't think this team's going to be either. So uh, here you go with our AFC North Roundtable. It's just time to just have a, a, a group chat session as the seasons get ready to get going. So the entire AFC North award-winning whip around crew uh, is here on the podcast. Of course, myself and Jay, you know, but Zach Jackson from Cleveland, Jeff Zreback from Baltimore, Mark Bully in Pittsburgh. We're just, it's just so good to see you guys. You know, it's even better to be here. Thank you. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be better if I didn't have to see Zach right now. But understandable, <laughs> understandable. Yeah. The good news is for everyone that this is just audio only. We're not going to use the oh. video, mm-hmm. so you're allowed to look how you look, Mark, and that's good. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know. We'll just, we'll just let people figure it out for themselves. I, so here's where we're going to just kind of uh, do a whip whip around style. Uh, we've got a, a few questions to go through here and see. I feel like some of them are definitely geared specifically towards uh, a few individual beats. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, I think everybody can have some interesting thoughts from uh, what's going on in their world. So I got, I got six questions. We'll see if we have enough time to get to them before we have to get out of here. Uh, well, I'm going to start with this one. Uh, and I guess if I have to pick someone who should start with this one, I'll start with Zach. Uh, number one, uh, in Cleveland, explain your quarterback situation. So there's this guy named Jacoby Brissett. He'll be in Canton yeah. someday, but right now he's in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really nice golf course in Canton. <laughs> um, no, listen, I don't. It, it, Jaco- the Browns signed Jacoby Brissett because he's been through this stuff, because he's smart, he's sturdy, he doesn't turn a ball over. Um, you know, he's played on a day's notice. He's played on a week's notice. He's replaced Andrew Luck. So the guy's been through some shit storms, right? He's a backup quarterback. He's 29. He's been in the league for six years. He's started 37 games and they haven't gone well. So, you know, you pick what you like, which is that he's big and can stand in the pocket. 
which that he obviously can process an offense and process a defense and keep you upright. The Browns are going to hand the ball off a lot. The Browns are going to throw a lot of screens. The Browns are going to rely on their defense. So it's Jacoby Brissett, and then it's Josh Dobbs. And Watson, assuming he does his um, treatment, will be eligible in December. But in the meantime, they're going to try to win a lot of 17-16, 16-13 kind of games. They do trust their running game and defense are good enough. They have to know that there's nothing from the pass game that's going to scare anyone. So Amari Cooper looks good. David Njoku will put up some fantasy numbers, but Brissett is extremely limited and the pass game will be extremely limited. Uh, Mark, you're a good second person to talk about this. <laughs> you just copy and paste what Zach just said and say about the same exact thing other than the 11 game suspension here. I mean, it's been the, the biggest farce of a competition that you've ever seen before. Um, Mr. Trubisky was always brought in here to be the starter, regardless if they drafted Kenny Pickett and regardless of how well Mason Rudolph has played here. And and once again, there's a reason why Mr. Trubisky is what he is. And he's just a guy that's another guy. He's a guy probably ranked in the bottom tier of quarterbacks in the league, and he's going. they're going to do the same thing. Try to make easy throws, rely on defense. Hopefully the run game comes along and, you know, win a lot of 17, 16 games here. So it's going to be a great game week three up in Cleveland on a Thursday night. We predicted the score now. <laughs> yeah, you know, first, first one to three wins the game. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think they always wanted to go with Mitch Krabisky here, even though it hasn't become official yet. It's been official since day one. That they think that he gives him the best chance of not messing up. And if they had a guy like Mr. Trubisky 2019 when Roethlisberger tore up his elbow, then maybe they would have made the playoffs and not crumbled down the stretch there. They want to bring Kenny Pickett along slow here, but the quarterback play that's good on the next two guys you're going to be talking about is far off from the quarterback play in Pittsburgh and probably Cleveland early in the season. So. At what point in the season do they go? Do they pull the the they pull the string and just so go to pick? I it? think I mean, he's going to have a. I think Trubisky's going to have a longer leash than what you think. I think they want to bring Pickett along extremely slow, and uh, of course, if there's an injury, I think Trubisky's going to have to fail for multiple weeks, which could, if you look at the first six or seven weeks, it's a pretty difficult schedule. But I don't see one interception, one bad game, a couple bad practices, and Trubisky's out. Now, I'm sure we'll get to this later on. He might get knocked out of the game because of that offensive line, <laughs> but uh, if it was up to them. Uh, I think Trubisky, if they, if they had their choice, they wouldn't probably play Kenny Pickett at all this year, but we know that's not going to be a choice. They're right. going to get him in there. Uh, Jeff, it's interesting. We, I think the Baltimore quarterback situation is known on the field, but the off the field is just fascinating with Lamar. Yeah. Right yeah. I mean, you guys are talking about not having to do the, not having to make the quarterback do too much and, and win the game by himself. Uh, you look at the Ravens now and it just looks like a team that's going to need Lamar to uh, put the Superman cape on and, and and win them a lot of games because they're, you know, it's a pretty flawed uh, roster uh, otherwise. But yeah, off the field, I mean, Lamar had made clear that there's going to be a deadline where they're going to stop the contract talks. He said it's going to be before week one. Um, I, I don't know what that means. Does that mean the Monday when they start practice in preparation for the Jets? Does that mean, 
you know, the Saturday, the day before the game, I would think it means it's coming up in the next two or three days. Um, there's been really no buzz uh, about like, and there's been no uh, signs that there's been a lot of progress. But then again, that's how this whole deal's been negotiated. It's Eric DaCosta talking to Lamar Jackson, and they don't share any details. The Ravens are very concerned about. Um, you know, violating the trust between their franchise quarterback. There's been no leaks here. Uh, Lamar has such a smart inner circle. I don't think anybody really knows what he wants. I think people assume he wants, uh, you know, the the, the Watson uh, guaranteed deal or a little more than that. I, I think that's the assumption, but he's never come out and said that. Um, and, you know, I think we know Steve Bishotti is not going to let the Browns dictate what he pays their franchise quarterback. That's not how Steve Bishotti is going to do business. So uh, it's kind of been at the state. Um, they've kind of been at a stalemate here um, to see which side blinks first and deadlines kind of spur compromise as we all know over the years, but uh, you know, we'll see if they can get it done here. The Ravens are comfortable if they have to franchise them next year. I know that opens up a bunch of new things. I know that's not ideal, but they are comfortable if they have to do that. Um, how comfortable Lamar Jackson is, is playing under the tag. I mean, we shall see. We'll see if he's kind of motivated to uh, move closer uh, to the Ravens side here as, as the deadline gets closer. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's it's been hanging overhead for over a year now. It's one of the more unique stories I've ever covered just because no one talks about it. I mean, no one gives any concrete information about it. There's very there's no one really even to call. I mean, Lamar is not talking to people about it. And, you know, DaCosta and, you know, other than saying they want to get it done, they haven't said anything in a while about it. So, yeah, it's a unique situation here. Uh, maybe we have some resolution in the next two or three days, but there, there's kind of been no indication publicly that we're heading that direction direction how's he looked i mean how as far as camp goes like as a just as a player any any yeah thoughts yeah, he, hanging over him or yeah no i mean he's you know he, he that's one thing he's pretty good at you know the louder the buzz is about him you know all the questions about whether he was legitimate heading into 2019 uh when he had the full-time job you know we know his first year he kind of took over on the fly and you know, did not play well in the playoffs. And when they moved on from Flacco, that spurred all the questions of, you know, is this the guy, you know, he's still raw and all that, but uh, he, that he played his best football that year. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a very motivated guy. He takes lights personally. I, I think he'll be dialed in. Um, it, it will be interesting to watch. He put on uh, some pounds, like in a good, he looks good. He looks muscular. They've, they've said it's, it, it's, you know, lean mass or whatever you want to call it. Uh, something I don't know much about, but um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, he had a, he had a solid, camp he didn't play at all in the preseason I think like a lot of kind of he's a veteran now you see him get kind of bored about midway through the camp and maybe the level drops a little bit but there's been no indication that he won't be anything but dialed in uh you know when they start uh next week against the Jets Jay this question isn't really directed to this beat uh <laughs> Burrow's still a quarterback it's good he's good right I mean I, I think that about covers it uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Bengals situation is everything the other three is not. There's no legal issue, there's no competition, and there's no shortage of weapons around the quarterback. They've And he's on a rookie deal. It, it's ideal and ascending. It's it's everything that you really could want for in a quarterback situation. Okay, here's a question. That, we know what Watson appendix, got. Though. You just, once you get rid of that, you're good. Hey, guys, <laughs> we know what Watson got and it set the record. How much more is Burrow going to get? That's. I mean, that's really, you know, the people that I've talked to, 
it's a matter of what, right? What Joe's been so different in almost the way he's treated everything. Is he going to, there's a thought. I don't think it's necessarily real, but is he going to be Mahomesian in the like, look, that's just a lot of money. And that sounds great. I don't care how it's structured because yeah. they'll give him the most money. However, he right. wants it. It'd um, be like a 52 year contract. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> Mike, it was the first name that Mike Brown mentioned uh, when his cut was asked about the contract for this season was, yeah, that train's coming. And I liked the way Mahomes thought about it. And I thought, I bet you do, Mike, I bet you love that, you know, and uh I don't think Burrow is going to be a hold him over to the Coles type of guy, especially because Mike loves paying quarterbacks. But yeah, I think at 55, 60 mil per year, they'd love to give him a ton up front and less guarantee money as they always try to do. But I mean, it's going to yeah. be massive. It's going to break whatever records you want broken. Yeah. Crazy. It is. That's the thing Good. about the Lamar deal is, you know, like there's so much pressure on him. I know you got to worry about yourself, but there's so much pressure on him. You know, there's hundreds of agents out there that can't wait to nitpick that contract and talk about how dumb Lamar was not to have an agent. You know, there it's going to be a feeding frenzy. So they're going to be, you know, I, I think that just adds an element of it. You know, I know Herbert and, and Burrow are behind him and everyone's looking at this deal. But if if, you know, he signs a deal that's perceived to be not very good, he's never going to hear the end of it, uh, given how he decided to negotiate this. So, uh, you know, that's probably one of the reasons he's kind of uh, dug in here and not budged uh, over what he wants and, and good for him. But you just know there's dozens of agents just lining up, ready to say how he aired and how they could have gotten him a better deal than he'll eventually get. Um, let's move away from the QB position uh, for a second, um, and we'll we'll go uh, go back to you, Zach. If if this non quarterback player goes down for the year in Week One, your team is screwed. Who is that? Well, um, I think Miles Garrett is probably the single most transcendent player from from the Browns. But you know they've done a good job. They put, they've complimented him with Clowney. You know Nick Chubb would be a possible answer. To that question, they've done a good job. They have the deepest running back room. Now there's a big fall off to even Kareem Hunt, who's a former rushing champ from Nick Chubb, but they're they're okay there. Um, Denzel Ward is a top five corner in this league. They've they've done a pretty good job with Greg Newsom. So it's Garrett or Ward. Um, and and they need, you know, this is a top heavy defense. They've invested in this defense being good. And it was really good at the end of the year last year. They finally have some continuity. And Garrett is a guy who who can, you know, be the defensive player of the year least in the discussion he can have 20 sacks and they're going to need him too so um yeah they've they, they've built it the way this defense looks almost exactly how they wanted it to look and they just feel like okay when we need a play when we need that huge stop or that batted ball pick away whatever it's going to be that miles garrett can make it so yeah they need 17 games and 20 sacks out of miles garrett to, to be a playoff team mark tj watt is it just that simple I don't think it's going to be T.J. Watt. It could be. I mean, you don't have a guy that has 22 sacks in the season, defensive player of the year, and I think he has something like 78 sacks in the past four years, uh, especially with the depth behind them. They don't have any of that either, so I'm actually going against my argument here. I mean, they just signed Malik Reed, and he's basically the only guy that they have behind as the number three linebacker between he and Alex Smith, Highsmith. So he needs to stay healthy. However, I'm going to go on the other side of the ball with Najee Harris. Even though I think he will have some pedestrian numbers here, 
I mean, I can see a lot of 10 carries, 37 yards because of this offensive line, but he is the only guy they have, and he has that threat of, uh, you know, breaking one, having big games, being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He had 72 catches last year. He had well over 300 touches last year. They need to have that threat of play action and uh, being able to run the ball to have any chance on offense without TJ Watt, you still got Hayward. You still got Minka Fitzpatrick. You got miles Jack. It would be a huge loss, but I don't think it would be as big of a loss of losing Najee because behind him, you ready for this? Jalen Warren. I'm sure you've never heard of him. Um, (laughs) Behind him would be Derek Watt. And he has about as many carries as me. As a fullback, and I'm sure there's another one. I'm totally oh yeah, yeah. Benny Snell. You guys yeah. should know him in Cincinnati. Well, yeah. And he has uh, uh about 1.1 yard per carry this preseason. <laughs> so there's not much in the way of depth behind them, and they're going to give Najee the ball a ton, and he needs to produce. But with that offensive line, that might be hard to do. So I'm going with the big man, the big man with the with the quads about this big right now to be able to be irreplaceable on this team. Very Pittsburgh of you to cho- choose a running back. I, I appreciate that staying on brand. Uh, you know, well, they you would think it would be linebacker, right? Because right. it's you know, the linebackers. But, I mean, I just totally – Glossed over a guy that had 22 sacks last year as defensive player of the year that's saying, yeah, he's not that important. So, <laughs> too early in the so morning, it's a you guys. problem is what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, what do you, what, oh, uh, what about Baltimore? Can I, can I pick both of them? And one no, and one you have B. to pick one. Don't be soft. Like just make, <laughs> have a take. Zach picked two. Zach yeah. picked two. Yeah. He didn't. He started with one. I think. I think Garrett was clearly one A. You just like hedged and moved on to Harris. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Mark. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? Yeah, you know, you could go a couple ways, but uh, you know, Mark Andrews is this passing game. Um, you know, I think all you guys have seen it. Uh, it's an annual joke before the Browns play the Ravens, how many yards Andrew's going to get. Zach enjoys that with their coverage of tight ends. But, I mean, there were practices this offseason where they had to just sit him aside because they throwed him on every play. Um, you've seen this receiving core. I, I think Bateman is a player. Uh, I think he'll be uh, much better this year. But, at, but you know, the other guys after it, James Fouchet, Devin Duvernay, Demarcus Robinson – um, you know, there's just not a whole lot of accomplished experience there. Um, Mark Andrews is going to be the guy for this team. Uh, he's an all pro tight end. He had a great year last year. Um, and if they were to, and we know how much Lamar loves throwing at tight ends, if they were to lose him, yeah, it, you know, the, it would get pretty ugly offensively for them. What do you think, Jay? So would it be too flip to say, Rookie left guard Cordell Volson, based on what we've seen from Jackson Carmen in the preseason. <laughs> There's no one else. No, Max Sharping is here, Jay. He's yeah, here you're right. You're right. And, and, you know, you could also make a case for Evan McPherson, uh, just based on what this team did in the red zone last year and what a weapon he is. I mean, they get to the 40 and they know they've got three. That allows them to take some of those deep shots and chances. But I, I, I'm going to kind of go in the same mode mode is Zach here and go Trey Hendrickson. He's just such a difference maker off that edge. And yes, you've got a lot of young guys with potential that they like, but nobody you wouldn't think is going to give you the production that Hendrickson gives you. And and he just created so much 
for that defense, especially in that playoff round. All, all those interceptions were um, off of pressures, and um, I just I think he's the guy that, that they would be in the worst shape if they lost. Yeah, I totally, I, I, I totally agree with you. That people, people don't understand that how much they didn't have a whole lot of pass rush win rate happening elsewhere no. on that line last year, and it was so much of it was, you know, they, they had guys that were pretty good at creating a little bit of disruption and push the pocket a little bit, but Hendricks was always the finisher and, and always the one that was getting in there when they, when they needed it in big spots. Um, the weakness of your team, uh, Zach Jackson. Uh, well, the, the the past game is stands out. You know, uh, I think every team, right, has depth issues. Every team has one position group or two position groups that clearly aren't as strong as the others. And this is a good division, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think the Browns know what they're going to get or think they know what they're going to get out of Amari Cooper and they've got nothing else. Donovan Peoples-Jones is just a guy. David Bell's a rookie who's working from behind because he missed some time in the summer. Um, you know, Demetric Felton, we didn't think was going to make the team. Anthony Schwartz can't catch. He's a wide receiver who can't catch their $15 million tight end. David Njoku can't catch. So it's, it's tough. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's a really good O-line. It should be a really good defense. And it's, it's the deepest running back core. There is four guys who could play for anybody, including Nick Chubb, who I, I put in the top three. So um, you see how it has to be and, and we'll see how it, it goes. You know, once we get started. Uh, Mark, do you just go back to the quarterback or you? It's offensive line. Yeah. It's offensive line by a mile. Uh, they spent about 70 plus million dollars on three guys, James Daniel, Mason Cole, and they gave Chooks a core for some, some, for some reason, 30 million bucks over t- three years. And they brought in a new offensive line coach, new scheme, and it's just crap. It's just unbelievable crap. Those quarterbacks have been running for their lives all preseason. Uh, they can't open any holes. Teams like Jacksonville, Detroit, and uh, Seattle just stymied them in the preseason. And these aren't the best teams in the world. And I don't know how it's going to get better right now. I mean, they've added some – changed their depth around – you know, in the back end in which that's not going to help you. And you're not going to go out and find somebody at this point in the season and be able to plug them in here. I mean, the bottom line is this is the third straight year. Now they have basically a complete turnover on the offensive line, including offensive line coach. It's their fourth offensive line coach in 24 months. And it's just, I mean, we hear the cohesion talk all the time. They have some decent players, you think, on paper, but it just has not translated on the field right now. And and that's probably one of the reasons why Trubisky is going to get the start because he's the best one can get, get away from some of, some of this pass rush that's going to come against him. And uh, uh, it, plus, if he if he gets hurt, then you can go to pick it after that. But offensive line is just awful. That's why I say – uh, at least you have the threat of Najee Harris maybe breaking some tackles here to be able to gain some yards early on because unless something drastic happens within this first month, it's just you're just going to see Mr. Trubisky get hit early and often, and uh, there's not going to be much of a running game at all. There's not much you can do about it. I mean, they had picked Kendrick Green in the third round last. Let me give you a little story. Third round last year, moved him from guard to center. It was so bad that they moved him back to guard. He was so bad at guard, they just benched him. And you can't do that with a third-round pick. I mean, 
you know, 12 games into his career, he's now benched because he can't play two positions. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do there. So it's it's a bad situation offensive line in Pittsburgh. So easily offensive line, even over quarterback. You know, you know what they say. I mean, if, if, as long as if you've got a bad offensive line and a bad quarterback, you can still win in this league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The Steelers had the worst offensive line I ever saw in 08. Roethlisberger was sacked 58, 59 times, and they won the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> well, hey, Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times, and he was in the Super Bowl last year. Maybe this this really is the key. Yes. This really is the key, Mark. We figured it out. We we solved the NFL Rubik's cube. Jeff, what do you got? You know, obviously, I talked earlier about you know, some of the questionable weapons they have beyond Andrews and Bateman. But, you know, I think the most concerning thing when you look at the risk Ravens roster right now is like, where are the linebackers? I mean, you know, they, it's a proud defensive team. They've always been able to, you know, boast of, of some edge rushers and some inside linebackers that can make plays difference making players. And, you know, they right now have two outside linebackers on their entire 53-man roster. Um, and one of them is Justin Houston, who, as we know, is getting up there and should not be playing a ton of snaps. I think Odafe Owe will be a very good player in this league, uh, but still learning. Um, they're just, we're, they're just, they just lack an edge rush. I mean, you know, we keep waiting for them to bring somebody in. They'll probably elevate, use like the practice squad elevations earlier in the season on guys. But you know, the top guy in the practice squad, Stephen Means, who has like, you know, who had no sacks in 15 games last year. They're, you know, so th- it's going to be an issue there. Um, Tyus Bowser, the returning sack leader, is out till at least week five. He had the Achilles against uh, Kaboli Steelers there. And, hey, and, ooh, and, ooh, and, and, yeah, in, 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 in week 18. And uh, he should be ready to go in week five. Maybe David Ajabu, the rookie out of Michigan who tore his Achilles in the in the um, you know pro day at Michigan will be ready at some point, but it's a, it's a very, it, you just, you look at the teams in the AFC North and you look at who the Bengals have on the edge. You look at who the Browns have on the edge. You look at Watt, um, obviously, and the, the Ravens just don't have that difference making edge rusher, uh, never mind two of them at, at this point. And um, no matter how good your secondary is, that we've seen in the past, um, your defense is not going to be able to hold up unless you get some pressure uh, on, on the quarterback. And, and that's an area of concern for the Ravens. What would you say, Jay? Yeah, I, I think anywhere on the Bengals team, it's it's going to be depth at a certain position. And you worry about the depth behind the big three receivers. You worry about the depth at tight end. That, that might be the most glaring one, but tight end is what it is. I, I think it's got to be O-line depth. And anywhere you're talking about this, you're you're talking about in case of injury. And you're talking five offensive linemen. The odds are you're not going to get all those guys playing the whole game. And they, they're. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that they went to the Super Bowl last year with Burrow getting hit that much. So is, is it really a problem? But it, it it is concerning when you look at what they have behind all of those starters. And even the, the starters, three of them are new to this team. And Leo Collins hasn't done much in in um o- we didn't do much in OTAs or, or camp. He's had two full days of practices. Well, not even two full days because one ended in a fight and ended early. Um, so I that's gotta be it, especially when you're talking about a, you're starting a, a rookie at left guard and you've got Jackson Carmen behind him, and there's really no proven center behind Ted Karras. Um, it's just if they have injuries on that O line, even one could could really derail what this offense wants to do. 
that's the difference, right? Is if they have injuries on the O line, their O line will look like last, last year. It'll literally yes. be the same guys. Like that's just <laughs> it. Is they the guys they brought into those guys don't have to play. Uh, you would have to trot them back out. But like you said, I mean, they they did find ways to win last year. I agree. I mean, I think they don't have a glaring weakness. I think like we've heard some of you guys talk about in the same way mm-hmm. with like starters. But clearly, I think the idea of depth is where they're untested. They didn't have to be tested last year because they didn't have hardly any injuries. And uh, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, let's this uh, let's do this one real quick. Uh, dumbest storyline that people spend too much time talking about, Zach. <laughs> well, the Browns live in that world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've long said that like in part of their comeback from the bottom, like the threshold threshold they have to pass is that every single story you hear about what's going on is not, assumed to be true but there is an easy answer here and it's recent it's it's this the thought that anything baker mayfield would say or anything the browns would say has anything to do with what happens in week one right yeah the browns dumped baker mayfield baker didn't like it of course he didn't um panthers were the only suitor and they play week one so it's how it had to go um you know a couple people in the browns building liked baker a lot of them didn't baker's never backed down from a fight in his life uh, you know, on social media, in a press conference, on a football field. So to to think that any edge is gained by anything that goes up in the locker room or is tweeted or is Instagrammed or whatever the hell is rather ridiculous. And there'll be a game next week and the first team to score 17 will win. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's the dumbest uh, storyline in Pittsburgh? Well, there's only one storyline in Pittsburgh. I mean, there's multiple storylines in other cities other than the quarterback, right? <laughs> but I'm even going to dive a little deeper here how dumb this one has become. Third-string quarterback Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Boy, are people enamored over him and wanting him out of town. Um, they think that – I mean, it's all that's talked about. Why is Mason Rudolph still on this team? They should trade him for a sixth-round pick. They should trade him for a seventh-round pick. We're talking about a third-string quarterback who, um, you know, he makes $3 bucks, and he's basically staying around for an insurance policy where he's going to leave somewhere next year, and you're going to be able to get some comp- compensatory pick well, at least be eligible one if he, if he goes somewhere else. But, boy, people are all over that. They need to get rid of Mason Rudolph. I mean, you just look at three years ago. They got down to Duck Hodges as a third-string quarterback, a guy that was a tryout in May from Samford, and they had to play him. Things happened quite quickly in the NFL. And to have Mason Rudolph as a emergency third string quarterback for relatively no money is a no brainer, but not in Pittsburgh. They want him out. They hate him more here than the fans in Cleveland. Hate him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, and it's, what, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Who cares? What do you got, Jeff? Uh, I, you know, I this preseason streak, I'm just so over here and about. I, I mean, maybe it doesn't have, <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and I think everything about it, one, the narrative that they go all out to win these games, which is ridiculous. They didn't play anybody this year. They've, you know, they've always been kind of middle of the plaque playing their stars in the preseason. They usually get a quarter at most. This year, Harbaugh went entirely the other direction, didn't play them at all. Most of their players will be making their debut this season uh, next Sunday against the Jets. But just the whole narrative, the excitement over it. You know, I include it in a tweet. Ravens won their 23rd straight, uh, you know, uh, preseason game, whatever. Sure. But 
but that's as much as I've ever really done other than mention a line of it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those, it's kind of unique. It's it's kind of funny. Uh, but beyond that, the two sides trying to derive, you know, derive major meaning out of it one way or the other, uh, beyond the fact that, look, the Ravens take undrafted free agency very seriously. They always have, uh, you know, and, and they annually have a lot of those guys stick or at least one or two of those guys stick on the roster. Um, you know, and, and those are the guys playing in two of the four quarters in the preseason. Most of them, you know, sometimes more than that. So, uh, you know, culture, all these things people want to make of it. No, it, it, I'm just kind of over it. I was kind of hoping they lost this past uh, year just so we don't have to hear about it for a while. I hope it goes on forever. Jeff. <laughs> this. Uh, what do you, what do you think it is here, Jay? Yeah, I, I struggled with this when I was trying to come up with something. It seems like most of the the storylines this offseason have been legitimate and, and relevant to the team. Um, I, I think it might be the indoor practice facility because mm-hmm. the, the fans that are so up in arms or interested, it has nothing to do with them. They're never going to enjoy it. They're never going <laughs> to be inside there to get out of the weather. It's all about the players and how much how much does that really lead to winning? It, it, it's it's nice on cold days and even here in Cincinnati, that it, it there's not that many brutal days. Now, if they're going to be playing into February every year, like they hope for the next several, then maybe that changes a little bit. But I can't remember too many just absolutely brutal practices where you, you would say you wish you were indoors. And maybe it's more about the precipitation than the cold. But I just I don't get the fans just interest in in just nonstop salivating over the idea of an indoor practice facility and it is coming um and, and there's still a lot of buzz about it i think it's i think this is all Kaboli's boy pat mcafee's fault because pat mcafee <laughs> only screams about the Bengals not having an indoor practice facility whenever he would talk about the team forever and uh and i it's, it's a state of embarrassment as a fan fans are just embarrassed that their team doesn't have yeah. one it's embarrassing are you not a professional franchise get an indoor practice facility why you, how are we talking about this i'll tell you something paul Steelers have one for you know 20 some years now and it better be zero degrees and four feet of snow or tom is not going to take him in there yeah. he doesn't like to play him on the turf so they're out in the outside regardless of the situation so there have been times where the Steelers haven't went inside until January so yeah. I don't know how like Jay would say I don't know how much it's really used and how much um you know coaches really want to use that thing either I'm gonna chime in here um with the naming rights we're down to one Paul Brown Stadium in Ohio it's at Madison <laughs> High School and well, next it to be. it is a full 100 yard indoor facility it's way nicer than the one the Browns have. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Uh, let's wrap. <laughs> let's wrap this up here uh, with this last question: Percentage chance your team wins the division, and what has to happen for that, Zach? Yeah, I mean they they have to get their blueprint. You know, they have to stay healthy, and you know they have to just be in contention when the quarterback comes back and they can do things. I mean, they're just going to be very limited offensively, so. The Browns can make the playoffs. Do I think they can win the division? No. Um, you know, to me, in the when I say 25%, 30%, that might be a little low in terms of thinking maybe this thing becomes a complete train wreck, right? And everybody beats everybody and quarterback goes down and, and it ends up being nine or 10 to get there. But I have the Browns just being eventually a seven or eight win team, uh, being competitive and, and having a good roster, but 
you know, just through all the turmoil, I don't have it being enough. So I, I would say 25%. Um, and now that I spit that out, that maybe seems a little high, but I'll stick with it. Mark, Mark, what is the chance that uh, your terrible offensive line and Mitch Trubisky can get this team over the top? Well, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but Mike Tomlin has never had a losing streak. <laughs> what? <laughs> have you heard that? No. Have you read about you that? Sh- do you have the research on that? We said no. <laughs> Apparently, you know, never had a losing season. So you might as well pencil in the nine wins or at least the eight wins and one tie already. So they only have to win one game to make basically uh, get into the playoffs here. But, um, yeah, I, I would say there's too much to overcome offensively here in a good division, a good conference to make the playoffs. Maybe I'll give it like 26% chance. What has to happen is this defense has to be stellar. I mean, we have to talk about Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, and I keep throwing Miles Jack in there because I think he's been very, very good to having all pro caliber seasons and win games seven to three for this to happen. Cause I don't, I just don't think they have the quarterback or the offensive line play to be able to keep up with the big boys over there in Cincinnati. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah. You know, I, one of the things that the Ravens have done so well over the years is just consistency. You know, they're not always, they're not quite the, the streak that uh, Mr. Tomlin has going there, but they're not always, you know, you don't always expect them to make a deep run, but most of the years you expect them to be there in December, at least competing for a playoff spot this year. They just, to me, they just have a lot of boomer bust potential. I, I, they just have so many questions because they're relying so much on injured guys, you know, that are coming off really significant things. We still haven't seen Ronnie Stanley out there. Um, he's played like one game since, as Mark remembers, uh, uh, Watt in that, you know, rolled up on him, obviously accidentally. But um, we Dobbins hasn't really been, he's been out there a little bit. Gus Edwards is out till midseason. and Bowser hasn't practiced yet. Um, they just have so many major injury questions. And, and that's why I would be concerned. I, I think for this team to, I, as I said earlier, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have to carry him like he did last year in a lot of ways for midseason when, you know, they were the number one seed heading into December, despite all their injuries, because Lamar Jackson was was, you know, one of the favorites for league MVP. And then his his level dropped and uh, he got injured eventually. And, and, and then they, you know, went in the tank and, and finished in the last. So this year's team, I, I, I'm surprised how excited, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be well coached. They're going to have really good special teams. They have a talented roster. They'll be able to do some things offensively. Jackson's one of the most dynamic players in the game. So don't get me wrong. They'll absolutely be in the hunt here for the division title. I think they're, uh, you know, I think they're probably a 10 win team. I would say nine, nine, nine or 10 wins right now, depending on how some things shake out. And, you know, I guess I would say in the forties, as far as a percentile, the win division 40, 45%. But uh, I'm a little surprised that more people aren't accepting the Bengals as the clear favorite here. You can't do that, Jeff. Not allowed to accept the Bengals nationally. It doesn't matter if they play in the Super Bowl. They're not allowed to be accepted as irrelevant. It was just luck, and uh, that's all that they are. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing it either. I'm not making the clear favorite. I've got them at 38 percent, and I've wow. got Baltimore at 37 percent. Then Pittsburgh <laughs> okay. 15, Cleveland 10. But for 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 it to happen, um, Joe Burrow start and finish 15 games. I, I, I think if it, 
that's where it starts and ends. If you've got that guy, you've got a chance. Yes, the O-line could fall apart, but like you said, it looks like last year's, and last year they still got to the Super Bowl with that line. Um, I mean, it could be a crazy rash of injuries at key positions that could derail this thing, but as long as you've got Burrow back there at quarterback and, and starting at least and finishing at least 15 games, I I think the they're they're right there in the mix. And and I and honestly, if I was putting a paycheck down on this instead of just pulling a percentage out of the air, I think I would lean toward Baltimore. Um, but because the Bengals are the defending champ, I think they get the benefit of the doubt. They've got uh, almost that whole starting unit back, and then the the three new ones are all on the line or improvements. You would think. So I'll, I'll give them the slight edge at thirty eight to thirty seven percent. Yeah, I'm with you too, Jay. I think I think it's I, I think it's closer than people think. I mean, I, I look, you know, obviously what the Bengals were able to do to the Ravens and Steelers in particular last year, you know, both double digit wins in all four games and just really taking them behind the woodshed makes you think, okay, if you have the same guys back, even though Baltimore will look very, very different, um, you you like their chances uh to do that. And they were what, five and one? Uh, against the AFC West, the vaunted AFC West, uh, the Bengals were last year, including games in the playoffs with it all on the line. So the idea that they're going to have some massive fall off when they really haven't lost anything and only gained, uh, I think is 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 off. But I, I I don't know, Jeff. I think you're just a little too a little too close to it. You're just too too, too close negative. to the Ravens to be being too down on them. You know, you've yeah. been hanging out you've been hanging out with the rest of this division too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. I, I I agree with that. They've never, under Harbaugh, they've never had two back-to-back disappointing years. And, uh, you know, they were just gutted last year. Everybody has injuries. They kind of had a historic run, you know, that started with losing three running backs in about a week spam for the start of the season. So uh, we'll see. I, I just think this is a year where everyone says, okay, you know, they'll be moved on. The, the injuries are in the past, but none of those guys are back yet. So until they're back and, you know, especially the, the Dobbins is the guy, you know, if they, they, this team needs to have a really good running back to do what they can do offensively. And, uh, you know, maybe Dobbins will be healthy enough. He'll eventually be that guy. I, it's just going to take a little bit. Uh, guys, I appreciate your time. I know it's a uh, it's a busy time, and I hope you guys enjoy your Labor Day weekend. And I look forward to seeing all of you as we uh, cross each other's paths uh, throughout the year. I think thanks for joining us. I'll be at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> See you guys.